In your Bibles, turn please please quickly to the book of Leviticus. I'm going to be reading selected passages from the book of Leviticus today in a passage in Exodus. If you are writing the scriptures down, I'm just going to give you the selected ones. I'm not going to probably be able to get to each of them today, but Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. Then we're going to read verses 9 and 10, verse 15. 19, verse 30, verse 37, and then I will read Exodus 19, 1 through 7. And I will repeat that as I read each verse. Right where you are, if you just bow your head, Lord, may the word of God speak to us. May our hearts be tenderized to the word of God. Not only may we hear the word, but may we do what you have called us to do, being obedient servants of the Almighty God. We do love you. We do praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, reading from the New International Version. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Verses 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Verse 15. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. Verse 19, part A of the verse. Keep my decrees. Verse 30. Observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Verse 37. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. It says, In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt on the very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, They entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, if you fully, excuse me, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. 
As you're writing the title down, it is Be Holy Because God is Holy. Be Holy Because God is Holy. The first point that we want to consider today is holiness is the requirement for all the people. Holiness is the requirement for all the people. When we consider this key chapter of Leviticus, when you look at chapters 1 through 18, there is a turning point, a transition that happens beginning with chapter 19. When we consider this chapter, God's requirement of his people being holy is that God says, I am holy. When we consider God's holiness, what are we talking about? There are many people today talking about God's love, which is very important. But what we've got to keep in mind that God's holiness demands that God judges sin. You, You see, God's love is one side, God's judgment is the other. I think there are times when people get confused when we begin to look at God. People say, God is such a loving God, he would not allow anybody to go to hell. God loves me so much, he wouldn't have, that's right. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. Now it depends on what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ. I go to many funerals and I'm always hearing people saying, he was a good person. He was a good one. And and, and I'm, I'm at the point where I'm thinking, hmm. A person who wouldn't read the Bible, wouldn't serve God, don't have the blood applied, and yet going to heaven? Then why did Jesus need to come? If our own righteousness was good enough, why would there be a need for a Savior? God's holiness demands that sins be judged. God has brought about a, a revelation through Jesus Christ God was doing something through the Old and the New Testament. He was drawing people to himself. And he was telling people and said, you've got to be holy because I am holy. I've set you apart for my own exclusive use. And in fact, that's what being set aside means. Sanctification means that you are set apart for God's own exclusive use. So when God says, I want you to be holy as I am holy... There is a requirement that's involved. In the delivering of the law, here and elsewhere, we find in several places, when God needs something to be communicated, you oftentimes find the words, and the Lord said. You find throughout Exodus and Leviticus, the Lord calling Moses, and the Lord said, and the Lord commanded, the Lord said. God is not speaking just to be speaking. I think today there are many people that think that, oh, God spoke and I don't have to do what he says. That has never been the case. God does not speak in order for us not to obey him. God's words are for us to obey. The speaking is always tied to obedience. Even the memorization of scripture, while that is very good, it can never be devoid of obedience. There are times today when we, I heard the request today, and I'm not going to pick on the teacher, but there's a request that I heard today that God give me patience. Well, he actually is by trying you. <laughs> you see, patience is not zapped on you. 
It's not just thrown your way. You've got to go through some things to get patience. The problem is that we don't oftentimes like having to go through the trials to get the patience that we are so much desiring to have. You can't pick your tests. If you belong to God, you're saying, God, you do whatever you feel is necessary and best in order for me to bring glory and honor to your name. So in order to gain patience, you've got to go through. Now the problem, as I said once before, is that when we go through and we have chosen and picked our own problems. So you see, anytime you decide to disobey God, you are always on dangerous ground and territory. You see, when we are walking with God, it does not mean we won't go through problems, but it does mean that God has already tempered everything laid out. You see, that was one of the beautiful things about the children of Israel. They had just learned to obey God fully. God had already marked out exactly what was to take place. But we sometimes get so, uh, so much in a hurry to go ahead of where God is that we're trying to reach the goal, and God has to orchestrate things in our lives in order for us to get there. You see, there are some things that we're not quite ready for. And God not, not only has to prepare us, He has to prepare the way in order for us to be able to make it through. That's why some people fall, because they're trying to go too fast, too quickly. That's why there are times when people fall away from the church, because while the, 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 the seed sprouted up quickly, there was no root. And so it, it, the flower sprang up, but because underneath that dirt, there was cement, there was rock where it could not take root, and it quickly died off. One of the things about this race that we're in, as Sister Janika spoke about not long ago, is that this is a marathon. We are in this for the long haul. This is not a dash. Oh, I got my service on for this week. I'll see you, Lord, next month. (laughs) The premise for keeping these laws are tied to holiness. The obedience to these laws would promote holiness. Holiness is, in fact, what it is, listen, it is what you do that leads to whom you become. Holiness is both action and it is actually both being. It is action and being. When God says be holy, the verb to be. When God says be holy, that requires an active participation on your part. Holiness is not passive. Holiness is not something that happens to you. Holiness doesn't mean because you shout you're holy. Holiness is a lifestyle. God didn't say be holy and fall out. No, that's not holiness. That's called excitement. That's called a feeling. And then we can get up and go out right back out and sin. No, God says be holy. Walk as I have called you to walk. Do you not know that your blessings are tied to your obedience to God? Your holiness, how God calls you to be, it will determine what happens in your life. Not just about, oh, I'm just claiming my blessings. If you're walking as God told you to walk, then you can. There's no claiming apart from obedience. God didn't tell the children of Israel, just go on out there and get the, get the cane in the best way you can. I brought you to Egypt and the Red Sea, now you're on your own. God is willing to see you all the way through. 
Sometimes we say, oh, God, I can see my way now. I don't need you no more. I'm on my way. And the moment we talk God aside, we run into problems. There is no guessing to what one needs to do to be holy. It is, in fact, outlined in God's laws and how they are carried out. The Israelites didn't have to guess. They didn't have to wonder, what does God want us to do? How are we to be holy? Now, I've told you this before, that do you not know that we get our moral laws from the Ten Commandments? The moral laws come from the Ten Commandments, whether society wants to recognize it or not. The the command of God in Leviticus 19 is not up for debate with anyone. The 613 laws that God gave are paradigmatic of how these laws are to be applied to the entire lives, our lives, their lives, people's lives through Canaan. Paradigmatic, a paradigm. It it, it is a way or an example. Let me say it this way. Paradigmatic, paradigmatic. What does that mean? When we look at the laws that God gave in the Old Testament, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He wrote them out himself, the Ten. And then Moses was instructed to write out the other commandments that God had given him. Do you not know that Moses spent 80 days upon that mountain? The first 40, God gave the law. And then when he came down the mountain, there was sin, and Moses threw down the tablets. Then the Lord said, Moses, I want you to cut out. Carve out two more stones and bring them up to me in the morning so that I can write on them the law that you broke. For 40 more days he was up there. Now the law that God gave Moses was not for Moses alone, it was for the people. In those laws that God gave, it contained everything that they needed and everything that was in between. Now what do I mean? Today, people can get off and can get out of a crime by what, by what we call a technicality. People look for loopholes. You got a good lawyer? You can probably you can get by, basically, you can have your hand in the cookie jar and you say, that's not my hand in there. I'm looking at it right there. That ain't my hand. Take a picture of the person. You get to court. And the judge will say, that cannot be admitted as evidence. (laughs) Paradigmatic, when the laws were given, God had arranged it in such a way to where whatever was the closest law to something that was not clearly specified, the closest law had to be applied in order to carry it out or to fulfill it. So if there was a law that says, I don't quite see this one, What's closest? What's the integrity? What's the overview of what God is saying that had to be applied? Today, I don't see it in there. I ain't got to do it. That's the technique. That didn't happen in the that didn't happen with the children of Israel. It was the law that God gave, and it was to be obeyed and applied broadly to the lives of the people. Six hundred. We have thousands of laws on the on the books today. Volumes of books containing laws, and even laws that just don't make no sense. 
church wanted to build a church up in Roner Park. And they ran into problems with the county because, oh, the spotted salamander is there. Can't build here for no church. Spotted salamander. Can't, can't, get, can't get water down in the valley. Oh, no, we got a certain little fish. The lives of people ain't important, but we got a little fish a little, that we're trying to protect. When man decides to walk away and leave God's law, you come up with all kind of crazy laws today. It's as if people are thinking about, what can I make up today and put on the books? The laws that God gave were for the benefit and the livelihood of his people. And my goodness, they were able to live by these laws. And God says, if you do, I'll bless you. What were they? They were also, these laws were pointing, pointing, pointing to what God was doing. All of the laws were going to be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. God's laws were not to be viewed as used or used as an as an escape clause, but the intent of a law. The closest law had to be applied. The Ten Commandments summed up all 613 laws. However, when God began to give the details, He began to spell out what was taking place. So the Ten Commandments sums up the laws that we have, or if you want to be more technical, the 603 that were given. God said that you are to represent me in being holy. Do you not know that when you are holy, you are representing God? Get this now, get this. That's why you can't just live any type of way. That's why when you least expect it and suspect that somebody is watching you. I told you that day my dad went to, uh, around, around to uh, Mil- uh, Sausalito when they had Big G, and he was making fruitcake. I told you that story. I'm going to tell it again anyway. <laughs> he didn't want to go down to Hayton's store at the time because he had to get some brandy. Because he puts brandy as he's cooking in the fruitcakes. So he said, I better not go down to the front. They may get the wrong idea. So he goes around to Mill to Sausalito to Big G. Gets the brandy. Standing in the line, and he feels a hand on his shoulder. It's all right, Rev. I understand. I understand. (laughs) 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 Trying to explain, you know, but, you know, people are going to come with their, you know, you're going to have somebody going to see you. So you got to be careful. When you least expect it, how we live is so very important. Because if people are going to be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to see him in you. Don't tell people, don't look at me. Mm-mm, don't look at me. You look, look at the Bible. I'm, I'm not the perfect example. You need to come to the Lord for yourself. <laughs> Pardon me? If you're representing Christ, how come they can't look at you? How come you can't be that example? How come you can't live holy? And says, Lord, I'm your vessel. When Isaiah looked up in the temple, 
Oh, the God's train filled the temple. You know, Isaiah said, God, you know, just, just, was it, just use me. Send me, God. I'll go. Who can we send me? I'll go. How many of you are saying today, God, send me. I'll be your vessel. The children of Israel were the vessels that God was working through in order to bring the world to himself. It wasn't because of their own righteousness we were dealing with today. In Sunday school, Sister Michelle, she was teaching on Purim. She was, she was dealing with this matter of, of, of why were they chosen, not because of their own goodness. And if Esther decided, I'm not going to go, Mordecai said, well, if you don't go, the Israelites' deliverance is going to come, the Jewish deliverance is going to come through somebody else. And how do you know that God didn't put you in the, in the palace for such a time as this? You are not here by accident. Some of you think you were born out of time. Jeremiah said that God formed you and he knew you even before you were even formed or made in the womb. Holiness is never devoid of how you live, what you do. Your language and your behavior should be one. The children of Israel had to be holy because God says, be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. I'll be out of here in just a few moments. When we look at the laws that God gave, he gave spiritual laws in, in, in Leviticus 19. He gave social laws as well. Verses 9 and 10, it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord. Before us is how do we treat the poor? God has these various laws. Unfortunately, being poor has been dumbed down today in America. That somehow it means that one doesn't have the capability nor capacity to do anything for themselves. Everything has to be given to them. You're poor? No, you can't do anything for yourself. It's a lie from the pit. Being poor is not a sin. And as long as this world exists, there are going to be poor people in this world. The question is, what is the requirement that is laid out by God... When there are poor in the land, I'm tired of leaders trying to villainize those that are poor and preachers on the radio and preachers on television that everybody's supposed to be rich. No, they're not. Everybody don't have exactly the same. There are poor people even with the Israelites. How do we help take care of people? Now, note carefully, when the Lord says, when you come into the land... And the alien as well, and those that may come in, how are we supposed to treat those that are less fortunate? Well, one of the things that the Bible says is when you are actually reaping from the sowing, in other words, you are receiving the benefit from the land, you are not to go, hmm, this is my land, I'm getting everything it, it has produced. And you go with a fine-tooth comb. God says, no, go through, reap. And whatever has fallen out the bath, oops, leave it there. Why? Because you have the poor that needs to eat. It was common for the poor people to be able to go through the, the, the lands and the places and to see what's left and to pick that up as food. 
Now, there's a point in here that I want you to miss. It was not to be reaped for them. They had to reap it themselves. The poor people had to go out and work themselves. Today, people want to check and don't want to do anything for it. People ain't worked a day in their life saying, where my money? Pardon me? person told me some time ago, I only get $326 from the government a month. I'm thinking, you ain't never worked a day in your life. And you complaining? He ought to be saying, look, thank you for what you've given me, what I didn't even deserve no work for. Thank you. This was the welfare system that God put into place. You go to work and you reap the land. Go and you can enjoy what's left. But you got to work. This idea that the government is going to supply all your needs according to their riches and glory ain't in the Bible. Looking at the government as the almighty, they didn't cut my check by three dollars. they think they are we've got an awesome god who says that the earth is mine and the fullness thereof we don't serve no poverty stricken god if i can just barely get this through here no we serve a great god little by little you store up Told you this, you don't see no birds out there sweating what I'm going to eat today. How I'm going to make it. Got crows down there, feathers falling off them. I, oh, I'm so stressed. The sun came up, I don't know where the worms are. <laughs> we got to work. And do you not know that this is tied to holiness? Oh, yes. Tied right into chapter 19 is part of holiness. Yes. Working is something that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. Yes. So when this, this, this matter of trying to pull away and take away and not have people work, it ain't from God. I got to stop here because our time is, 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 is out. I might have to come back to here. Remember, I stopped at verses 9 and 10. I'm going to ask you all that next time. Where did I stop at? (laughs) How do we please God? We please God by obedience to him. There are so many people trying to figure out how can I please God? How, How can I make God happy? By obeying him, loving him, obeying his word, be holy. There's no magical solution. Holiness is who you are called to be and how you are called to act. Please don't think that your holiness and what you do and how you live are separated. They're not. Your mouth is called to be holy. Your tongue is called to be holy. Your eyes are called to be holy. Your thinking is called to be holy. 
your conduct and behavior. Even when husbands and wives argue and fight, they should do it in a holy way. I'm going to say this. There's sometimes my wife may say something to me, and I ain't got no good reason. I just get upset. Why are you asking me that? I may say, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just in a bad mood. Sin. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why? Because you know what holiness does? It causes you to get it right. You know what sin does? I ain't apologizing. I know I'm right, and I don't care what the other person says. No. Be holy. Clean it up. How do we relate to one another? Through holiness. Getting it right. Making it right. Stand to your feet. Please. Holiness is not an option for God's people. Without, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. <laughs> and the fact that God has given us such his marvelous and wonderful word, Mm. That, that in his sovereignty, he did not leave us without a witness. God is so kind, so loving, so marvelous, that he supplied everything that we needed, need and needed, and then just called us to walk in it and be faithful to him. I tell you, I love the Lord today. I just, I love God just because of who he is. That he has allowed me to be a steward of what he has and to be responsible for what he's given me. He's given me a life. Now he says, take care of yourself. He's given me the ability to be able to think, think soberly. He's given me the ability to be able to say words. May the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you, Lord. What we do for Christ is so vitally important. Because we want to do those things that brings honor and glory to his name. Lord, in this place today, it is our prayer that you will help us to live a life that is holy and pleasing unto you. We don't want to be a people that's stressing over those things that are insignificant, but that we are striving to be everything that you've called us to be and to do everything that you've called us to do. We love you today and we thank you for your righteousness and your glory. Lord, as Janae goes back to school this week, we are praying that you will bless her and keep her. We pray that, Lord, you will give her what she needs to be not only successful, but to allow the Lord to shine through her life. We come against every influence of the enemy that would seem and want to sift her as wheat. And we pray that, God, she will be covered under the blood of our Savior. Thank you that, Lord, in this place she grew up and now she's in college. Now may she know and understand that, God, your eyes are on her even there. And that, Lord, she may do everything to bring glory to your name. The friends she makes, the people she, God, may hang out with. May they see the grace and the glory of God shining forth. We love you today, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.